DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Corbin Kafusi, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, a former BYU Cougar. Corbin, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Corbin, you may not know this, but you are joining us. On the Smart Rain guest line, it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. I am curious uh, what a long, strange trip you have found professional sports. (laughs) It, It has been a long, strange trip. So now you're with the Niners, and we remember you as on the defensive side and now you are on the offensive side trying to make it as an offensive lineman. What have you had to have done as far as technique to your body, all that stuff, the difference between being on one side of the ball and now being on the other? Oh, you know, it's been a complete overhaul, to be honest. You know, body-wise, you know, I came in, when I first came into the NFL as a defensive lineman, I was probably 270, 275, and now I'm around 330, I've been up to 350 before, so that was an overhaul. Technique is completely different. You know, offense is just a whole different side of the game, and so learning that has been, you know, it's, it's been hard, but it's been really good. So how did, this, how did this happen? It seems like pretty late in your career to have what seems to me a radical change. You know, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just up in the night. How did this all play out for you? Yeah, so um, I was actually recruited to BYU to play offensive line. And so my first spring ball at BYU, before I went on my my uh, service mission, I did as an offensive lineman because that's where my dad always wanted me to play. He's like, oh, it's better longevity and stuff. And so it was never something that came out of the blue totally. But, you know, I ended up playing D-line. And then when I got it, after I got waived by the Saints, I was just working out, and my uh, my agent was like, you know, some teams would love to see you at offensive tackle. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I had never really thought about going back to it, but I kind of shrugged it off, and then after a little bit, I was like, you know, I'll, whatever it takes to play, you know, I just love the game, so whatever it takes. So the average American male, I think, is like 5'9", so – Nobody can relate, or most folks cannot relate to someone who is like you, 6'9". 275 is enormous, just for guys like us. And then they ask you to put on basically 50 to 75 pounds. It just seems so outrageous. What does a person need to do who already weighs 275 to put on that extra weight in order to play that? How do you go about that? Yeah, to be honest, it's just you have to have discipline in your eating. And you, you think it's almost the opposite where it's like, oh, you don't have to have discipline at all because right. you're just going to eat everything. But <laughs> it takes a very strict schedule of eating to get to gain weight the way you want to. So I've heard people who've had to do that, and then Thurl Bailey uh, burned calories at a stunning amount, and he always said they were always on him to eat, to keep his weight up, you know, playing basketball, he just burned through so many calories and his natural metabolism did it. He said it became a chore. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't something he looked forward to. It was, it was kind of work in a way. Is that how you find eating now? Do you, do you enjoy it? Or is this like, this is like going to work? Oh, well, it's now like my body's kind of used to it, so I don't have to like 
continue to keep crazy amounts of calories. But yeah, when your metabolism isn't quite there yet and it's still just burning everything, you know, when you're at a lighter weight, oh, eating becomes the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And I remember, luckily, I had some experience with this when I went from basketball to football at BYU because I gained 40 pounds within that window. And, you know, I would always take these meals to classes and everyone would be like, wow, he's eating these nice meals during class. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there almost like tearing up because this is the fifth time I've eaten the exact same food and it just has no taste to me at all. And it's just, you don't want to eat it, but you have to. So it's definitely a chore and it's work. So why the Niners? Uh, you know, the Niners, I'm, I just like one, their offense. They have a great offense. I love Kyle Shanahan and everything he's done there. And just, I think it kind of fits my skill set. You know, they love to run off the ball. Their their tackles are offensive line and just great athletes. And so I thought it would be a great fit for me. So why do people see you as an offensive lineman, whether it was your dad or whether it's these NFL teams? Is it, is it partly your size and your wingspan? Would you be available? Would you be able just to push that rusher around the edge and send him looping twenty yards behind the quarterback? Yeah, to be honest, it's definitely that. It's the the physical traits. Where I have these these long arms, you know, and you know from playing basketball and stuff, the footwork's there as well. And so it's just being able to put those all together is what you kind of look for in offensive linemen. And I I won't lie, when I was a defensive lineman, I didn't give credit to the offensive line because you know you're just trying to beat them, but being on the other side now, I'm like, these guys are freaky athletes. You know, to be the size that they are and to do what you have to do as an offensive lineman, like you're the only two people on the field that work backwards are offensive linemen and defensive backs. And it takes an extreme amount of athleticism. And so, yeah, I, I was just grateful that I found a position that really, you know, complements the, the natural gifts and talents I've been given. So last summer we had the COVID thing, and it's still around, but last summer obviously was at the height. What's different as far as training and all that stuff and what you're going to expect when you get to camp as far as last year versus this year? I think already it's already been huge difference. I was able to go out to San Francisco, and we had basically a full OTAs out there. You know, some teams were didn't meet up. Some did a few weeks, whereas like I was out in San Francisco for 10 weeks. And it was great to be with the guys on the team. We had almost the entire team out there. And so working with them, getting to know guys, getting to actually walk through play, like it already feels way better than it did last year. It feels way more normal. And so going into training camp, I'm just excited because, you know, it's going to have that normal feeling again, and we're going to get preseason games. So I'm excited. So what is the number one thing you have to do to make the roster, to get onto the field? What what are they pushing yet? I think, you know, there's definitely a lot of different things they're probably going to be looking for. But I think for me, it's it's going to be looking natural as I play. You know, when you're making a transition between positions, there's always that learning curve. And, you know, you look at guys and you can be like, okay, like he's still learning the position. And for me, I want to go in there and have – have them not even think that I switched positions. You know, I just want it to look natural, be like, oh, this guy can play. Like, this guy plays offensive line instead of it being, uh, oh, like, you know, he needs to keep developing. So that's my goal. 
So you mentioned your father, Steve. Now everybody knows, or most people know, that he's a longtime coach at BYU, and then I think that before that at Utah. Uh, he stepped away a couple years ago. How's he spending his time these days? You know, he's good. He's uh, just finding other things to do, whether it be business, and he, he still does a little bit of training on the side for for uh, young kids or anyone that wants it. So that's all. It's kind of fun to see him get his his fix in his football fix. And so, yeah, he's just kind of keeping himself busy in those ways. You know, the name Kafusi for uh, generations of fans, both Utes and Cougars, it has resonated. Are there more Kafusis on the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I've got, of course, tons of cousins and whatnot. And then, like, even my, my brother's kids, and my, my little sister just had a baby boy. That's the, the further down the road generation. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely there's always going to be Kafusis yeah. coming in. <laughs> That's for sure. So your one brother, Devin, went to BYU, and now he's at Utah. And you guys played, you and your brother played at BYU. So September 11th is the game. Where are your loyalties going to be? <laughs> you know, family first, of course. So, you know, I I love BYU, and I had a great opportunity there, but definitely going to have to support Dev. And so it's, it's almost like, yes, it's hard, but it's also a win-win where it's like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm glad when each team does well because I have different reasons for them. And, uh, you know, we were so excited when Devin transferred because we knew that was going to be the best thing for him. So I'm excited to see how he does. I always figure with Kafusis, there's both red and blue in the co- closet. It's just like shape-shifting or something. And you, yeah. you know, the, the Kafusis, <laughs> they, they are just comfortable. You, you'd make great spies. <laughs> no, it's true. I won't lie, though. Growing up, we had some awkward family reunions where <laughs> half of us were blue and half of our family were red and just a lot of tension in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the Coveys now with uh, with Britain playing for uh, Utah. They have those BYU ties, but they have a, uh, they literally have blood on the Utah team, so I think you got to go in that direction, at least for the short term anyway, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny because Britain's older brother was one of my best friends growing up, and I watched BYU games at his house every single week. And so, like, to see them in red, I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, that's that's what it takes. If the family's there, you got to stick with your family. Yeah, I agree. So you got you got Britain stories. Uh, we've we've heard a bunch of them. He's told some on himself. He's hilarious in interviews. You got Britain stories <laughs> as him as a little ten year old running around the house or something. Oh my gosh, Britty was the he's like the entertainer of his family, and so like he's the one. Oh my gosh! Like literally, everything we do, we'd always make Britty do because he wanted to. So like we'd have him go into restaurants and just do these crazy dumb things, and he had no fear doing it. Like you know, he had no he had no problem going in and just looking super awkward or super weird. And that's what we loved about Britty. Was like he just had no fear in doing these things for a good laugh. So we, we touched on the Kafusi name. You know, it's a household name in football in the state of Utah, obviously, and it's been that way for a number of years. And then when you factor in your bro, your dad's uh, brothers and their, as you say, their cousins, and the name isn't going to be dying out anytime soon. And so then we have that the situation here where we saw that college players can make money off of whether it be their name, likeness, and image, and they're calling it and all that stuff. Uh, so the, my, my thought for you is 
that you guys are such big names in the state and another Kafusi's rolling off the assembly line. They have already got the name built in into the community. Do you think that, and your time has passed, so it won't be for you, but going forward, <laughs> do you think that people, your cousins or whoever they might be, or nieces and nephews down the line, you think that that can maybe help them with name identity to maybe make some extra money there off the name of Kafusi since it's such a big name in our community? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm so glad that they finally passed that with, you know, NIL stuff because, the the window you know to capitalize on these things sometimes is big sometimes it's small but if there is a window it's, you, you got to capitalize on it and so I'm excited for my cousins and anyone else that can to capitalize because I think there's just such an opportunity there and I think it's definitely there for them to take where you know when I like you said it, my time came and passed but it would have been nice to have that as an option. To, you know, whether to help myself or the future, to even help my family even more. It just opens up a lot more doors, and I think there's a lot more opportunity. So as long as we're talking uh, image and likeness, we got the name down, the Kafusi name, very recognizable. But i got to admit, as I look at a bunch of photos here on my computer, I might have picked you out as a saint. you got the beard going at this point. You're not the clean-shaven guy we saw at BYU. But the Jets shot with the hair down to the shoulders, you totally I would have walked by I would have walked by you and I wouldn't have known. So what yeah. what's the Niner look? What are you going for? Oh well it's funny you ask because, you know, I as soon as I finished that even yeah, as soon as I finished that BYU, I hadn't cut my hair since. What? And then yeah, and then <laughs> once about the whole I was allowed to grow a beard, I was like, you know, I can grow a beard. Like I got a pretty decent amount of like my beard grows in pretty thick and so I grew out a beard and I and you know switching to offensive line I kind of wanted that rugged almost Viking look and so I had hair down past my shoulders big old beard and just actually last week I decided you know what I'm gonna change it up it's, it's about time for me to clean up the look and so I cut off all my hair and shaved my beard down like so now it's just scruff but yeah now the, the Niner look is is definitely like a clean cut business look so you're going to stay with that or you're going to let it grow again? You know, I think for now I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, I might, I might let it grow again, but who knows. But for now, I'm like, ooh, I'm ex- I kind of still have this feeling where it's all, it's all business right now. All right. Well, you reserve the right to change your mind at all times. Go with, <laughs> go with a new yeah. look, you know. You get that feeling one day and you just change everything. So I'm, I'm going to post the I'm going to post the three different uh, photos on Twitter and let people see all these looks. Back to that whole spy <laughs> thing. You got a whole nother career if you want it. You may not want it, but if you do, a six nine guy being a spy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> all right. Well, Corbin, we will follow you. Uh, and and Jake, our producer, Yak, is a huge Niner fan. So basically, if there is even a trickle of news, we hear all about it. So uh, good luck to you in the coming season, and we'll see how this plays out for you now on the O line. Clean cut business look. Yes, sir. All right, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Corbin. There's Corbin Kafusi, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, the former BYU Cougar. As I understand it, there's a, there's several more coming up, and uh, we'll see who's uh, who gets their services. Well, there have been a bunch of uh, good players over time. Now, the Kafusis have mostly stayed in state, haven't they? Am I missing one? By and large. Uh, there have been a couple. Tongaloa, if you remember him, at East High School went to Stanford. 
he has a cousin, but by and large, they've stayed here in state, gone to either Utah, BYU, or in some cases, Utah State. Stanford might as well just uh, be Instead an of extension. A, just, have a, just have a campus here yeah, in Salt Lake. A branch. <laughs> the East the East campus. Just have to travel out for the games. we got so many guys from Utah and LDS guys. In fact, you were talking about that. Uh, you asking in the prior segment about uh, local colleges. I was looking yesterday, going through some stuff, because Jake Scott and I are going to go down and broadcast uh, Pac-12 Media Day which is uh, it's Tuesday. I think that's the 27th of uh, this month. Uh, what, three weeks from yesterday? Correct. And so we'll be down there. So, you know, I like to be prepared. And so I was going through some stuff yesterday, uh, looking at Stanford and seeing all the guys that they have. Now, that McKee, they don't necessarily list him to start. He's a, a return missionary who was a top-flight quarterback out of California. And he's in competition, but they didn't say that he was going to be the starter. We'll see how it plays out. But certainly Stanford has a ton of LDS guys. And I'm looking forward to I, – I got to uh, – I'm really looking forward to interviewing the University of Arizona coach because I'm going to say I got good news and bad news because he's from North Jersey all the way through and through. So he's your guy. Yeah. So I'm going to tell him I'm going to say I got uh, – I'm going to say my, my one sister went to Morris Catholic, which is in Morris County, and he'll clearly know that. And then my other sister – went to the exact same high school, East Hanover High School. And then I want to say, now, before you think we're buddies, I went to ASU. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to think, oh, I got a homie here. <laughs> right? Because anytime you get uh, that far away and you get somebody who has local ties, like that other, who did we have on the other day to talk about the NBA and I told him, I said, hey, save a table at Star Tavern for us. And it was the us. NFL guy from New York Post. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Co- uh, was it Costello? Co- uh, I think you're right. Yeah. And we were talking about Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I dropped that line. And you're thinking, what the heck? Out there in Utah? That's like, uh, they might as well be Russia, man, uh, as far as that goes. And I dropped that. You could tell he was surprised. So I'm sure Fish, the new coach for the U of A, is going to be very surprised and then he's going to think, and we're boys, and then I'm going to drop the hammer on him. Way to go. <laughs> so you and I, we're actually enemies, buddy. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, coming up next, Yacht did track down Barry Trammell after all. Sports columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com, and we will check in with him next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. How detrimental do you think it would be for the Jazz if they were to lose Conley services? It wouldn't send you back to square one, but it would send you back to square three, if that makes any sense. You wouldn't be a contender anymore. Simple as that. The Jazz, because of cap issues, can't go out and just sign somebody else. They'd have to get cheap replacements for Mike Conley, and that's just not going to work. But the last two years, when the Jazz were successful, Mike has been a huge reason why. Mike's up there with Chris Paul in terms of guys that their respective teams have to sign, or else their window will snap shut immediately and I don't think that's hyperbolic I think the Jazz window will snap shut if Mike Conley leaves. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O Tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone we're joined now by Barry Trammell sports columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line it's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought currently and that's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain. 
Barry, Barry, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I always enjoyed. Hey, I apologize for missing you an hour ago. I uh, had my phone off and didn't know it. And no excuse. I just screwed up. I apologize. <laughs> well, you built up some goodwill here, so I wouldn't worry about it. You can. Well, I was hoping that was the case. That was uh, that was my hope. So we are curious about multiple things and how things are playing out in a market that's a little different and yet kind of the same. And name, image, and likeness. The gates are open. The land rush has begun. Are the Sooners going to get to the money sooner, I guess, is the question. And I'm wondering how much, I mean, it's interesting on one level, but the Sooners are at such an elite level. Is it going to change much? Are they going to pry kids away from Clemson and Alabama? Because they're getting pretty much everybody else they want and winning nonstop. How much is this uh, impacting the product on the field at Oklahoma, you think? See, I don't think it's going to impact, I don't think it's going to impact the game very much at all across America. Um Alabama's still going to get the cream of the crop. And as you said, the next year down is going to – I don't see where how this going to change. The only thing I could see is potentially somebody like Oregon. You know, well, you know there, there are laws or rules in place to keep somebody like Phil Knight from doing too much. But if you can circumvent that, you know, Nike's got the wherewithal to, to make an impact. But this, this joker down in Miami – Yesterday, who owns some martial arts studios, you know, is going to pay all the hurricanes. I mean, that's not going to, that's not, that's a, that's a lark. I mean, he's not, this guy's not going to pay a half a million dollars a year to, for Miami football. So what we're going to have is we're going to have a big boom and then we're going to have a big bust. And some, some kids will end up on the good end and some, some won't, but I don't think it's going to change, change the food chain of college football at all. Yeah, I probably most likely agree with you. I guess I'd have to see some evidence. But if you're looking for a change in the balance of power, uh, it's more along the lines of the rich get richer, So, which is not changing the balance of power. It's just continuing it. But I am wondering, uh, a kid like uh, Spencer Radler comes there. And, you know, I grew up in Phoenix, went to Arizona State, and he's a local kid and hoping he would stay. Of course, he didn't. They normally don't, and they take off. But he's popular and he's good and all that. So, what do you think his earning potential could be in college? Oh, you know, I think it's it's uh, incredibly high. I doubt one of these kids ends up with a million dollars a year, but I think there'll be a few that get into six figures. I don't, I don't think there's much doubt about that. I think Zion would have at Duke in basketball, and I think some of these football players will. You know, the boogeyman in people like me's eyes or, or my mind are, are boosters and, you know, sort of traditional forms of uh, car dealers, that kind of thing, traditional forms of paying players. But the truth is the big money's in this social media, Internet stuff, you know, TikTok, YouTube, all that stuff with followers. And um, so that's going to that's going to require a confluence of big name, and really adeptness at, um, at working the, the branding of social media, which some guys have and some don't. Some, some girls have, some don't. I mean, you, you guys have read about those two gals at Fresno State that signed for $500,000 or whatever because they got 4 million followers. So um, that, it, it's, sort of a, it's sort of an unknown frontier for us. 
because we really don't know people like you and me. I, you know, I'm making assumptions about you guys, but I assume you're not, you know, swimming up to your eyeballs in social media. And so I think it's sort of an unknown frontier for us, but that's where some big money is. And that's where you're going to see some surprises. I think you're going to see uh, different kinds of sports. It's not just going to be the Alabama linebacker. It, you know, it's going to be the, it's going to be the Florida State softball center fielder, and it's going to be a Nebraska volleyball player, and it's going to be a, you know, Penn State wrestler. You know, we had a we got a kid up at Oklahoma State, national champion wrestler, got an incredible personality, and within the sport of wrestling, he's like an icon. He signed a he signed a big apparel deal already. Um, ahead of any football player in the state that we can tell. So it's that kind of thing. Sort of the niche markets are really going to are going to uh, go after some of these some of these athletes. So I think that's the thing to look out for. Uh, somebody like Spencer Rattler clearly has a lot of opportunity. Um, he can do he could do some national brands. I mean, he could do some traditional forms of of commercials. Um, endorsements, those kinds of things, but it's that it's that niche social media market that where there's going to be a lot of money to changing hands. So I think I know what you're going to say to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway just to make sure because from the football competitive standpoint, is there a chance that an Oklahoma State or a Utah? pulls a recruit away from USC who says, hey, I'd rather be the big man on campus here than the 20th biggest recruit here? Or does a a Tulsa or a Boise State or a San Diego State or whoever pull some away from Utah or Oklahoma State? Is there any of that going on? Or even that is too far-fetched? Or coaches are going to make a run at that to see if it works, and nobody's really sure right now. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um you know, the truth of the matter is, I think you'll see a bigger effect on um, on the transfer portal than maybe high school recruiting, because that's where the bulk of recruiting is shifted to now, for crying out loud. Why, why go waste your time on a kid you don't know if he can play or not? Well, go waste your time, or go spend your time on a kid you know that can play. So uh, I, I think all those things are possible. I just don't think they're going to be very prevalent. I mean, I, I think, I think most players believe they can play at the highest levels, and so this, you know, big fish, small pond is not really sort of in their mentality. They settle for a Tulsa, San Diego State, a Boise State, or you know, an Oklahoma State instead of an Oklahoma. They settle for those kinds of things, but only when they have to. If they have a chance, they tend to just they tend to go to the big boys and that's why we don't really see a lot of change in the you know, in the rankings or in the success rate of most of these schools. And so uh, I'm anxious to see how this all plays out, but I think the movement I think the change will be sort of glacial. I don't think it'll be very fast moving. Do you think that programs will be able to use it to their advantage, or how much can they use it to their advantage in recruiting, whether it's through high school or transfer? Oh yeah, they're all going. They're all going to say it, um, and some will have all kinds of uh, examples of how why it's true. So we'll see. I don't know if um, you know. I I don't know how much. Well, here, here's what I don't know. 
and this is transfers and high school kids, I don't know what priority they will put on financial wherewithal and football wherewithal or whatever sport. In other words, you know, if you're a big-time football player, you're thinking of the NFL. Now, this stuff on the side, this money, whether it's 10000 whether it's 100000 that's nice and that can make you think. But if you see yourself as a big-time football player, you look at the NFL draft, you say, I'm going to Alabama if I get any sliver of a chance. I'm going to LSU if I have any sliver of a chance. You look at that NFL draft list, and I don't know that the priority is going to change much. Um, it could, when they get to college, I suppose, a few players sort of come to the realization they're not headed to the NFL. Most still harbor those dreams, but some are more uh, reasonable in their, in their minds. So maybe then they think, you know, maybe if maybe I could make some money and, and get my education here if I go to whatever school. But I still think most football players and basketball have stars in their eyes still about making the pros. So I I, I think it's fascinating. The whole NIL thing, the, the Wild West, it's all fascinating. I just don't see it affecting the the uh, the competitive balance. What I wonder about is uh, I'm interested in the chemistry on the rosters. Um, you know, people have asked around here, what happens when Spencer Rattler's making $500,000 a year and the left guard blocking for him is making $5,000 a year? Yeah. You know, it, you know, a lot of coaches tell us that's going to be a chemistry problem. You know, in the NFL, a whole lot of minimum wage guys are blocking for Aaron Rodgers and and Ben Roethlisberger and, and Tom Brady, they seem to stand up all right. So I don't know that it'll be a problem, but it's going to be interesting. Barry Trammell joining us right here. What's your reaction in Oklahoma to the 12-team playoff proposal? Um, most people are fired up about it. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a huge. It's great opportunity for an Oklahoma State great opportunity for Utah, for Brigham Young, for virtually everybody. The people it affects the least are the four schools that have been making the playoffs all the years. You know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. They've been in, they count, is it 20 of the 28 slots in the history of the playoff? I think those four schools have accounted for. So it would have gotten Oklahoma into the playoff twice extra. Um, so that, and they're okay with that, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's not a game changer for them. Um, but it is a game changer for, you know, Wisconsin and, um, Georgia, well, Georgia's gotten really good, but, uh, Florida, for instance, never been in the playoff, but usually have a really good team. Um, teams like that, and then the up-and-comers that have a chance. Cincinnati, the, you know, the mid-majors. Um, so I think uh, here's the deal. I've always, I've always been a traditionalist, and I've always sort of thought, yeah, I don't really want to get rid of the bowl system. But the truth is, the bowls have sort of killed themselves. And 
the bowls have proven to not nobody really cares about them. The players have spoken; they don't really want to play in them if they have a, if they have any pro aspirations. So the only way to save the bowls is to expand the playoff. So you know, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I sort of like I. I never even thought of a 12-team playoff, but it's fairly ingenious. I don't, I don't have much to pick about it. I sort of like what they've come up with. I like the, I like uh, the attempt to save the bowls with, you know, the quarterfinals on bowl um, in bowl sites. I like. I mean, I'm okay with the home home field advantage in the first round. That'll be some interesting, especially if we can get some SEC teams going to to Ann Arbor and Madison. Uh, the second week of December, that'll that'll make for uh, interesting television. So I'm all for for what I see, what I've seen so far. I don't see a lot of downside. Changing gears a little bit, while we have you on the phone, I think Sam Presti just acquired two more first round draft picks for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, what do they got? Uh, three. They've already made a, a move with uh, Kemba Walker. What's going to play? How do you think it's going to play out in terms of their rebuild here in the short term? Well, they got you know they got just horrible lottery luck. They had a twenty five percent chance at two top five picks. They had a fifty percent fifty percent chance at one top five pick. They ended up with no top five picks in a draft that everybody said is uh, a five player draft. Well, bad luck. So you got to do something else. Presti, no doubt, will, is not through trading. He'll trade draft night. There'll be some trades with the Thunder. I expect him to try to move up. You know, try to package six and sixteen and go to four or something. You know, whatever they can do. Uh, Kimber Walker could be involved in that if somebody would willing to take a flyer on him. So they're not through um, the the lottery. Misfortune just sort of delays the rebuild. But the truth is, and, and people in Utah know this better than anybody, it, it, it's double fool's gold to rely on the lottery too much for two reasons. One, it's a lottery. It's designed for most people to lose. So, you know, if you feel bad about losing a lottery, you know, you're not very smart, really. So, number two is... The uh, the draft very rarely goes in linear form. Um, if you get stuck with the six, sixteen, and eighteen draft picks, hey, go out and find good players at six, sixteen, and eighteen. Utah had, uh, you know, Utah had the best uh, record in the league this year, building around two guys. What what was Donovan number thirteen overall? I think or yeah, thirteen like or fourteen. Yeah, and and Gobert twenty seven. Go find your two ball players at thirteen and twenty-seven, or six and sixteen and eighteen. Go find two players. Don't don't sit and wallow. Um, people rely too much on the lottery. You know, I I equate it to marriage. You know, I, people spend way too much time on their wedding and not near enough time on their marriage. And people in the NBA spend way too much time worrying about the lottery and not near enough time worrying about the draft. Doesn't matter where you get picked. Or, or what what picks you're given, use those picks wisely, and you'll be ahead of the game. So that's what Presty needs to do. Um, he's got some things to build around. Shea Gilgis Alexander clearly is a star, and Lou Dort is a is a building piece. They got all those draft picks. You can't use them. 
you know, they've got 18 or seven, whatever it is, 17 or 18 draft picks first round in the, in the next seven drafts, counting this one. You can't use all those draft picks. So use some of them to trade up or trade out. Trade, you know, do some wheeling and dealing, and maybe you end up with a good roster. Well, Barry, as always, we appreciate a few minutes, multiple topics, but uh, Oklahoma and Utah are linked. So it's interesting to hear your take on uh, how things are playing out there. Thanks for coming on, and we will uh, talk to you again down the road. Okay, see you guys. Barry Trammell, sports columnist, the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com. The list of players who were really good players, who if they had free agency on the open market, the whole league would be throwing wads of cash at. More and more, they're guys who've been passed on. I mean, the, the history books are LeBron and Shaq and Duncan. There's all these number one picks out there. But Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert here. Chris Booker. Paul Chris Paul was a Aiden. was a top five. Yeah. Aiden was number one. Right. But Kawhi Leonard, he was picked later. He was well, a mid-first Ante round. Onto Tacombo. In the teens, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. There's another. So there's a lot of talent out there that slipped and people didn't see it coming. And it's not an indictment of any one person because lots of people passed oh, on everybody. these guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to Barry's point, it's hard to find them. But man, if you do, the reward is massive. I mean, you look at Juwan Morgan, most teams passed on him. See? Yeah. Good point. There's random PK for us just popping in <laughs> to join the show. <laughs> well, it's 10 minutes to 10. I'm light and fluffy. I agree. <laughs> when we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, working from home or with a hybrid workforce. Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time for your feedback, everything you had to say about today's show. Oh, it's been a hell of a show. I can't believe today <laughs> was a good day. How much of a priority should the Jazz make re-signing Mike Unley? And T-Dot says 100%. If he goes, there will be no replacements. That's not true. There'll be a replacement. Maybe not of that oh, quality. You don't know that one. Gordon Hayward went, oh, no, the rebuild was over. We're going to have to go back into the lottery, blah, 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 blah. No. You got better. Mitchell's better than Hayward. True story. Hate to keep counting on that. How many times can you pull the rabbit out of the hat? Well, pull the rabbit out of the hat, though. From what we understand, he was targeted and primed and... And set upon their goals and all that. So was it pulled out? It's not like, oh, well, we'll take this guy, and then he ends up being really good. I don't no, think it Dennis was... Lindsay telling anyone that uh, don't talk about this workout or you'll get fired. I kept my mouth shut all those years. And you weren't in there. <laughs> <laughs> he knew better don't than to ruin let you the in. The story. He knew better than to let you in there. Hey, we <laughs> were in Montana spreading the word about Salt Lake. You were in Montana looking at that golf course surrounded by those mountains. Dennis Lindsay and I, we worked together. You know, he, you know, he brought it out in the public. I wasn't going to bring it out, but he did. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't Keep... just dumb pure luck that they got that guy. And I don't think it was dumb pure luck they got Gobert either. I agree with that. 
but those guys have to be available. And you, they spotted those two guys. You got to go get them, right? And you can't. And they did. They had to make trades and move into what, a spot what where they you could have grab to them. have happen is somebody like the Knicks repeatedly draft guys who suck. Oops. Yeah. Get New York and Sacramento in front of you. It says you're drafting 15, but you're really drafting 13 after they make their mistakes. Maybe the Knicks have turned a new page now. This year certainly went better. And they hired Walt Perrin away, so maybe their drafts will get better. But somebody else will slide in that spot. Somebody else making yeah. hideous mistakes. Phoenix. That Phoenix had been Phoenix for a while. It was. That's yeah. a large part of the reason why they missed it for over a decade. Is because they kept drafting Marquise right. Chris and Dragon Bender, and those guys weren't players. Draper Ute says, unless they get a backup point guard who can shoot and reduce Conley's minutes, uh, his hamstring will be a problem again next year. He'll be 34 and hamstrings don't suddenly get better. Prefer a sign-and-trade if they can pull it off. Well, isn't Joe a backup point guard? See, that's an interesting thing. Do you want to view Joe and Donovan as backup point guards because they handle the ball, or do you want a true point guard and then let them handle the ball There's when they have no the matchup? There's no such thing as a true point guard. The only guys that exist in the league were already there. <laughs> okay, so one of the names, and I can't remember who to credit, but I saw this on Twitter, who's throwing it out. I think it was one of the Jazz beat writers. How old Neto? Bring back someone who can just play minutes. Well, and yeah. if you decide, hey, tonight we got this matchup and we're going here, but we don't want to wear Joe Ingles down the way we wore him down a year ago when he had to carry the load because the other two got well, hurt. Just have him go to Australia for February. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> and, and so Howell Neto and two hours ago, they got to get bigger. They got to get longer. Yeah. They got to get more athletic. So let's bring in Howell Neto. That solves everything. That really doesn't solve any of those problems. <laughs> now, he's developed into a better player than I thought he was, so I'll right. give him credit. I'm not and maybe the thing is, all. And maybe that's the wrong name, but maybe the concept of, and to your point, hey, go go find a 6-4 point guard or 6 Terrence six. Mann. And... Are they gonna, but is it going to be someone who's happy with their role if they know their role is going to be limited? Because they're on a winner, it's going to spotlight them. And, right, exactly. And in a year or two, you cash in when you move on because you had a chance to play well in the playoffs with the whole league watching. But Jarris told me years ago, I don't determine minutes. Players determine minutes. True story. So go get better and demand minutes. I heard Rachel Nichols outworked everybody. That's where she got her, how she got her job. That was out of her own mouth. That's where you heard it. <laughs> yeah, this whole, this whole the audio thing. She yeah. So so outwork everybody. Get better. As much as we talk about uh, the draft and free agency, if the Jazz are going to get better, who have they spotted at the end of somebody else's bench who can play if given a chance? Now they fall into several classes. Some people are all getting a chance, and you pay them more money. Some people, you don't have to pay that much money. They just need the playing time. If you open that up for them, do they see those people out there? There's a million stories in the nude city, as you said the other day. <laughs> the nude city. Yeah. Isn't that what you said? The naked city. All right, same thing. It's a, it's a synonym, is it not? It is. So to that, your point. That's their, their charge. Right. Is to, like Barry Trammell just said, if you got the sixth pick, go find a player with the sixth pick or make a move. To get whatever pick they made, the Jazz made moves to get two All Stars. I have no doubt that they can do it again. It's not about what you say, pull a rabbit out, or I forget the, the rabbit out of the hat. I don't see. I'm, oh, it could look like that to us. 
but does it look like them to them or do they see something in somebody? Because all the time we spend talking about other sports and we were talking about college football earlier this morning, they spend obsessing on the NBA. Right, and that's their charge. And guys who are overseas playing in Europe. And I think by and large they've done that. That's So why can't they do it again? Sweet. They've built a competitive team and they haven't built it on a bunch of top five picks. So why can't they do it again? I mean, it stands to reason if you've done it multiple times, you can do it again. The top five picks are Darren Williams and Ennis Cantor. Acquiring Favors, who was a top five pick. They didn't draft him himself. Mm-hmm. That was the D. Will trade. There's been a shortage of top five picks. In, oh, Exum. Exum, who they flipped into Clarkson. Thank goodness the they got five. Clarkson out of that yeah. one, or else that would have been a bust. Yeah. At least till this point, if the kid can ever get healthy. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, that, that's their charge, man. And, and I have no doubt that they can do it again, with or without Mike Conley. And I want them to have Mike Conley back. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands and Scotty are up next. We will see you tomorrow.